the concepts of organizational governance, clinical governance, and risk management, those concepts are already there. So apart from those two new concepts, a lot of the providers are already practicing it. They just need to really strengthen it to align with the new standard. Welcome to the Aged Care Executive Podcast, the show that's dedicated to helping age and community care professionals stay ahead of the industry. Currently, the Royal Commission and CCTV are overshadowing a topic that affects everyone in aged care, the implementation of the new standards. Are you doing the wrong things well? I think this is a great quote by Katrina Ong, Quality and Compliance Consultant for Pride Living. Her focus at the moment is coaching aged care facilities all around Australia to prepare for the new standards. I'm Michael Peachy, Executive Director of WNL Mobile Healthcare Services, and today I'm joined by Katrina as she outlines the key differences between the standards, especially the two new areas that aren't covered by the current standards. She also provides some great insight into the specific action items an organisation should be doing, as well as what an organisation should have at the top of their to-do list now. Before we continue on with today's interview, thank you very much and continue sending through the LinkedIn messages, uh, especially recommendations for topics. They're making my life easier in terms of planning content that's relevant. So without further ado, here is our episode with Katrina Ong. Katrina, welcome to the Aged Care Executive Podcast. Thank you for having me here. Now, I understand that you currently work for Pride Living, but I see that you've got a long and extensive history for different aged care providers in the industry. Uh, can we start by just getting a bit of a background regarding what some of your various roles in the sector have been? Sure. So um, I've had a lot of roles within the aged care industry. And I also want to stress that I haven't been exposed to the acute sector. So I've only ever worked for worked for or worked in the aged care industry. So that actually stems my passion for the industry about not wanting to leave really. And I've had various um, roles within aged care. I started off as a registered nurse, so a graduate nurse. And after that, I held various roving roles in care management operations support. So I was a roving clinical care coordinator at some stage. After that, I actually moved on to an ACFI consulting role. And right after that, I focused on quality and compliance. So the last few years have been really focused on quality and compliance for me. That's great. That's a pretty long and impressive, um, I guess, diversity in the types of roles that you had. Now, one of the things I'm really keen to chat to you about is the new accreditation standards and the work you're doing there. So I guess um, just as a bit of a, a start, what are the key differences in practice that aged care organisations will need to be doing when the new standards are in place? Sure. Um, I think that's a really um, hot topic in uh, the industry at the moment. I mean, obviously, um, the Royal Commission, the Four Corners, those are hot topics. But we are supposed to now be transitioning on to the new standards. So you ask about the key difference. Well, the most important key difference is really the focus on consumers rather than the overall systems. 
And we're not actually saying that in the past we've never focused on consumers. But with regards to this, it's really prescribing what you have to do to make sure that the consultation has occurred. And it's also about being consumer-driven. Now, having said that, the documentation regarding consultation with the consumer now is actually a must. So if you have actually discussed something with the consumer, it has to be documented. Otherwise, we all know it it didn't happen. Okay, so in practice then, it might mean that some organisations who have been big on consultation don't necessarily need to do too much differently, but they just need to make sure they have to have the evidence in place because now it's mandatory. Absolutely, absolutely. So something that oh, people can actually relate to a little bit. So for example, your care consultations. So you know how we have that quick chats with the family, corridor conferences, oh, your mom's doing fine. She's had a fall yesterday. This is what we did. She's been seen by the physiotherapist. What do you think? What else do you think we can do to, well, reduce her risk of falling? So that type of consultations that happen quickly, sometimes people don't actually make sure that they document. So it's those little practices like that that people really have to make sure that they've documented that. And one of the things that I would recommend to a lot of the clients that we are assisting with the transition is to actually formalize the focus groups. So a lot of the providers at the moment have resident relative meetings and have set agenda items. So what would be really good is to actually have a formal focus group to talk about the things that are prescribed in the new standards. And um, in terms of the frequency of that really depends on the organization itself and the need for the organization. The other thing that our key practice differences is to really think about the two new concepts that have been um, introduced in these new standards. So that is the open disclosure, which has been around in the acute sector for many years now, and there's a lot of literature around it and around the acute sector, but not so much the aged care sector, because this has just been um, introduced in the new standards. The other one is also antimicrobial stewardship. So these are the two new concepts that are big in the new standards that would have to be a change in practice currently with what they're doing now. Okay. And is there any particular resources or references or key steps that you recommend people do, particularly in those two areas? So there's a lot of resources around, as I said, in the acute sector at the moment. And all it really needs to happen is for you to understand how to translate it within the practice in aged care. Gotcha. Okay. So between now and when the standards uh, end up being implemented, What should facilities be doing now to start getting ready? They should um, really be looking at their current practices. So really, they should be looking at the model of care delivery that they've got. So if they didn't have a model of care delivery before, they should start thinking about what that looks like and how the consumer sits around that model of care delivery. And that would actually really build how you perceive care delivery is being delivered within your organization. The other bit is to have that plan for continuous improvement and project plan on the policies and procedures that you are looking into reviewing 
and to make sure that it actually aligns within the new standards. So really have a stringent project plan from now until July 2019 so that there's a planned review on what you intend to review and what you intend to change. And if someone contacted you today and said, okay, what are the top three things I should put on my task list to start working on as of tomorrow, what would they be? Well, definitely the plan for continuous improvement. That means to say that it actually encompasses the whole review of your standards. Definitely because it's not just about what's new out there, but it's about reviewing the practices that go along with it. The other thing would be self-assessing. So self-assessment against how you currently sit within the new standards. And then the next bit is to plan and project manage those within the next few months until July. Because why I say that and why I don't focus on certain topics within the um, new standards is because some people are have their journey differently to others. So say, for example, let's talk about sexuality. So a, a lot of organizations have already moved forward from that when the department strategy was released, uh, but some people have not um, adopted that yet. So it's really about self-assessing yourself against the new standards and plan from there. So that's how I actually assist providers in with our support and coaching plan is to try and understand where they're at in the journey and how they're going to get there and what they need to work on in the next few months. Gotcha. So with the exception of those two concepts you mentioned before, the open disclosure and the antimicrobial, everyone else will have a different starting point depending on what their strengths and weaknesses are today and what things they've already been working on, which may or may not already align with the new standards. Yes, I think you hit the nail on the head there because the concepts of organizational governance, clinical governance and risk management, those concepts are already there. So apart from those two new concepts, a lot of the providers are already practicing it. They just need to really strengthen it to align with the new standard. Okay. And so by the sounds of things then, the biggest knowledge gap that a lot of organizations might have is trying to understand where they are today relative to the new standards because you almost need to know those inside and out before you can actually relate them back to where your organization is today. Correct, correct. So with regards to if you look into the department website around the new standards, one of the first steps is to really understand the standards in itself and how you would be applying that to your organization. Great. Now, because you've been spending a lot of time recently helping different providers get ready for the new standards and help them on their journey and understanding where they are, in your experience helping these organizations, what would you say are the key obstacles that you're helping them overcome? So it's definitely time. So, and as well as the resources. So that's a lot of the feedback that I'm getting because, you know, A lot of it is really dedicated resources and dedicated time to just focus on this transition. With regards to that, again, it depends on the organization and it's really um, that initial project planning phase. So 
when we've actually worked with providers with regards to the ACQS support and coaching plan, once we've actually discussed the initial project planning phase, and once we help them deliver that plan, and then they've got a starting point, and then they can now understand what their needs are in terms of the resources that they require and how that looks like in the next few months. So that's really the key obstacles and as well as the availability of resource materials as well. So one of the feedback that we've gotten from our clients is that there's really a lot of resources. It's how to interpret those resources and translate them into practice for them. Gotcha. So by the sounds of things, one of the biggest mistakes an organisation could make is literally starting on page one in standard one, whereas they may actually be doing pretty well there, so it's not a priority for them. Yeah, look, um, that that's a really good point that you've raised. In our plan, we do suggest that you do start from standard one, but it's about self-assessment. So when you've actually done that self-assessment, you then as you said, you then self-assess yourself against how you're doing against that, those standards and then plan it accordingly with regards to how long it's going to take you to transition. So some of our, we, we do have recommended timeframes on how long it's going to take for you to review, self-assess and transition um, with each new standard. So say, for example, with regards to standard two or three, it might take you longer with regards to standard three. Standard three might take you two months instead of, or standard one might take you two months rather than um, service environment, which might only take you a month to transition. So it's about understanding where they're at again and how long it's going to take them to review and implement. Right. That makes 100% complete sense when you put it that way. It's about that, that gap analysis first. So yeah. one final question. If you could have a billboard at the next major aged care conference and you could have one message on it related to getting ready for the new standards, what would it be? Don't reinvent the wheel. And why I say really don't reinvent the wheel, it's more so to do with uh, we also have to understand where our consumers and our staff sit. So, or the new standards actually say that you have to uh, make sure that the practice is within best practice guidelines. Now, it's all about working with the staff and the consultation. So if you change it too much to a short amount of time, people are not going to understand it or embrace it if there's too much change within this short period of time. So um, hence why I say when you're trying to implement the new standards, try not to reinvent the wheel so much that people are not going to embrace the change. And by the sounds of things, the other message is don't wait till the last minute because there's going to be a lot of change in one go. Absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Well, if people want to find out more about getting some assistance in understanding where they currently are in relation to the standards and how to prioritize their work, where can people find you, Katrina? So um, you can go to our website at www.prideliving.com.au. You can also reach me via email at katrina.ong at prideliving.com.au. I'm always happy to just um, have a chat to see where you're at with your journey 
how we can support you in any way. And I also like to catch up with like-minded individuals over coffee. So feel free to contact me or just send me a message with regards to anything and everything under the sun. And also with regards to our support services, we actually make sure that we tailor the needs of your organization. And uh, what we try and do for our services is really to coach and support you throughout the journey to empower um, the individuals in the organization to be able to transition themselves rather than to give them a prescriptive manual on this is what you need to be doing in the next 12 months. So we do offer a transition manual. However, um, that is in conjunction with where you're sitting at in terms of your journey. Lovely. Well, I just want to say thank you very much, uh, Katrina, for your time. Uh, It's been very insightful, and I think anyone listening to this should now have a really good idea of where they should start, and that is with a gap analysis and working out where they are. Thank you for listening to the Aged Care Executive Podcast. What drives us is knowing that we're providing content to help aged and community care professionals stay ahead of the industry. So please, if you get any value from what we're doing, the biggest reward we could ask is that you share this podcast with your colleagues. Don't forget to hit subscribe. It's free. And also leave us a review. Five stars, hopefully. But if not, that's okay. But please leave a comment and let us know what we can do better or if there's any particular topics you'd like to hear about. If you'd like to connect with us or have any questions, you can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook at the Aged Care Executive Podcast.